People of the world, hello and welcome to the Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm, where our purpose is a simple one. Tune into our weekly podcast each Friday, wherever you listen to your favorite programs or on this website to hear us, three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice as the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. To reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions, we're at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, the Facebook group of the same name, and if you care to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Also, stay tuned for details about our upcoming news and perspective show on Millennium TV's M24 streaming news station. Hello again to our regular listeners, and thanks for tuning in, and we want to welcome any first-timers and let you know that we're extremely grateful that you're choosing to spend some of your valuable time with us. We also invite you to join the nearly 4,000 people in our online Facebook groups, The Brothers Talk, Relaunching Black Wall Street Nationwide, and Hashtag Black Dollars Matter, where we keep the focus on Black socioeconomic empowerment, which is building and supporting Black businesses and following our 12-point strategy for ensuring that we all commit one household at a time to having our own Black Wall Streets in all of our neighborhoods. Before we get into this week's show, once again, we want to give our heartiest endorsement and recommendation to Chef Dion and his organization, Disabled Combat Veterans Youth Program, as they continue doing God's work in feeding those with food insecurities. He was our guest a few weeks ago, and he shared with us how using only volunteers and donations, they're literally feeding thousands of families in northern New Jersey. It's always relevant work, but especially as we come upon the season of Thanksgiving, we want to be mindful that there are those who we can truly show our appreciation for what God has blessed us with by helping to make sure that those in need can be helped to have food. It's still one of those great shames of this nation, the wealthiest nation on earth, that we have people with food insecurity as well as those with housing insecurity. But at least we can do our part to see that Chef Dion and his people can do what many of us cannot or will not do. So check out his website at dcbyp.org. That's D for disabled, C for combat, V for veterans, Y for youth, P for program.org. Again, that's dcbyp.org and give what you can. You will be blessed by the experience. And now the host with the most, Scott and Norm. Hey, family. Thank you for your continued support of Black businesses. And we really appreciate you coming out and electing President-elect Biden and Harris. One of the things I want to say, though, is um, I got some, some pushback from some comments I made on a previous podcast about rappers. And one of my friend's sons said that, hey, you know, you kind of misrepresented some rappers. These guys are doing good things in the neighborhood and you kind of lumped them all together and they're all not like that, whatever that meant. And so I wanted to give out some apologies to anybody that I offended. And they also reminded me that Lil Wayne does a lot in the black community that I didn't know about. So I want to give my apologies out to Little Wayne or Ice Cube or whomever in his fans that I offended. Well, I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners who are supporting Chef Dion. Again, he's doing fantastic work and he's even expanding what he's doing. So now he's going to be feeding more families in our community. And again, this virus is still with us. Let's act accordingly. So this week, we're still in the aftermath of the 2020 presidential election. 
And so while there's a lot of information and attention being uh, shared around whether or not 45 will actually concede the election, which I think is irrelevant because there's nothing in the Constitution that says that he must do so, because the once the election has been certified, then the new president will be on his path to being sworn in. But what is being ignored from my perspective is just how racist this divide is, because the 71 million plus people that voted for 45, while they might try to insist for whatever reason that they are not racist, it's awfully difficult for me to understand how, if you support a racist, if you support someone who has openly made it clear over four years that he's a racist, then there isn't anything that counteracts that. None of his policies, because there's nothing that you can really say that he did for the economy. There's nothing else that he really accomplished. So when they try to run this Trojan horse argument around saying that they support other parts of his policy, it doesn't matter anyway. Because one, there isn't anything that he actually truly accomplished other than following up on the dictums that were led, effectively initiated under the Obama administration. But on top of that, he has been clearly the most racist president outwardly in our lifetime. And so for those 71 million people out there, you just cannot get away from the fact that supporting a racist makes you a racist. You know, Rod, that's a good point. And, and I agree with you 100 percent. I have a few friends who are Republicans, they're staunch Republicans and 45 supporters. And uh, when I talk to them and I try to get an understanding of, okay, here's a guy who is a racist. He's demonstrated that he's a racist. Things that he say are racist things. You know, I mean, let's just take a look. If you go back in history, the fact that he and his father were sued by the federal government or Republican federal government for not allowing black folks to rent in their uh, rent in their apartment building. To me, that alone says this guy has a problem with black folks. He's a racist. And then when we started talking about the Central, Central Part Five and the way that he talked about Mexicans and that whole thing, calling them you know, rapists and drug dealers and that whole thing. So when I ask these guys, what is it about this particular person that you support so strongly and viciously, their answer is he's done a great, he's done so much for the economy. And I, and I say, okay, give me something specific. I can't get anything specific. One of my nephews had this conversation with me this past week. He called me and said, hey, you know, uh, one of my friends, man, some of the stuff that he's showing me uh, that Trump's done, man, I don't know. You know, I think he, he's done a lot for black folks. And I said, did you ask him about anything specific? Well, he gave money to HBCUs. Did he realize that Jimmy Carter is the one who started the HBCU initiative? Does he understand that and that every president, every year, they have they give money to HBCUs? It's like a law. So it's not something that he invented, that he started. So when I, I told him, what you need to do is when your friends start talking about how great the Republicans are or how great 45 is, ask them for specifics. If they can't, if they're just going to repeat what they heard on Fox News or right-wing radio, that stuff is propaganda. So I'm like, ask for specific. They can never give you anything specific. And then they'll say, oh, well, you know, regulations. He rolled back regulations. Okay, what regulations did he roll back that helped the economy? It's always crickets. I'm not going to sit here and talk about 45's racism. I mean, that's just a fact and a given. And even discussing it, I feel is a waste of time at this point. Our issue should be, what are we going to do and where are we going to go? And how do we control our destiny? You know, we can't, th those are things we can't change. That is it. 
this is white America. This is what, what America has been its entire existence. So, I, you know, at this point, I feel that we have to concentrate on what we can do to better our situation. Now, this election was a chance for us to at least flex a little muscle within the Democratic Party. I don't feel we've done that. I feel we've just gone back and continued the same cycle. And we have Biden again. And and looking at the people that Biden looking to bring into his cabinet are the same old people. And so I don't feel that we're going forward at all at this point. And, And that's just my view. Well, see, I partially agree with you, but I think that can, though, be used as leverage when you say we need to be focused on what we can get out of this Democratic Party, because there's certainly no way that anybody can deny that it was the Black vote in particular and specifically that delivered the White House to Biden-Harris. And so the fact that we can come out and make sure that they understand that we will be just as ready to protest them as we would protest 45 is a way for us to keep them at bay and make sure they realize that they need to be focused on our issues. So it's not that I'm thinking that you know we need to be concerned about trying to change the minds of that 71 million, but inside the 76, 77 million that were on the other side, a big majority of that, as we always knew, we swing election. And so Biden has already said that he understands that But understanding that and doing something about it are two different issues. And we want to make sure that we hold their feet to the fire for perhaps the real first time in any election cycle. You know, the reason I think that we have to you have to kind of focus on not completely on this this uh, racism aspect of, of what happened is 45 got 72 million vote. So what you're talking about is 72 million racist folks in this country. And it took 90 plus percent of the black vote, 70 percent of the, of the Hispanic vote, probably 90 percent of the Asian and Indian vote. It took all of that plus the white vote to defeat this guy. So what we're saying here, what I'm saying, what I'm looking at is country has really exposed itself as being more racist than people realize it is. Because you're talking about if black folks hadn't joined, if they didn't get the percentage of black people and Asians and other minority groups to go with the liberal whites in this country, 45 would still be in office. So this country is a lot more racist than I thought it was. I knew it was racist, but not to the point that it is based on the election results. I do agree that we need to focus on where we're going to go, what we want out of this, but we also, how are we going to communicate that to the Biden administration? Because like Rod said, it's a bunch of rethreads already. You see Susan Rice and Valerie Jarrett kind of slipped up and said, well, we're going to do, I'm like, wait a minute, hold up, hold up, Valerie. I didn't see you out there out front nowhere at no time. Now, all of a sudden it's we. So he got all these that he's, that he's bringing into his uh, administration. And that's not going to bode too well for black folks. Yeah. You know, I'm not seeing any change, nor am I seeing any avenue, as you mentioned, Scott, uh, of really holding him accountable on, on any level in regards to our community. Because number one, I mean, he's probably only going to be a one-term president anyway. So why should he really care about honoring anything or or really doing anything for our community? Because just like this election, we're going to come out again for the next Democrat they put in front of us because of the same threat Trump gave us this time. So we're in just a bad cycle. And until we actually decide to stand up and change something, we're going to be stuck here. Well, I think there are two things that I, I see as harbingers for some change to happen. One 
of course, is that he owes his political fortune to James Clyburn. And so that, uh, coupled with the fact that one thing I really just recently learned is that Kamala Harris is listed for her voting record as the most progressive senator in Congress. So she's not a part of that old guard. And Clyburn, on his way out, too, has nothing else to really try to make any deals for. So those are two avenues into that administration that I think if, for whatever reason, there starts to be a groundswell of Black people saying that we want real change and we want to see something different than what was brought to us under the Obama administration and certainly how we have taken a step even further back under 45's administration. I can't see that they're going to be able to ignore that because I think that, you know, this even goes back to the idea that when you look at Black Lives Matter and those aspects, you know, Biden even acknowledged that in the debates. He said he'd not with the defund the police piece, but certainly the whole country has started to recognize that Black Lives Matter isn't what 45 tried to portray it as. And so that should lend to some even more support on the side of the Democrats and specifically the progressives and liberals. Yeah, right. I, I, I think you're right. Well, I agree with what you're saying. I think that if this administration doesn't do something to that's going to be beneficial to black folks, it's going to help black folks move them in a direction where they can be on, on the same footing as everybody else in terms of finances and in terms of uh, what's going on socially in the society, I don't think the folks are going to come up and line up for Democrats again. I don't think we're going to do it again. You know, even myself, I'm saying to myself, I'm going to see what they actually do. When the rubber hit the road, what black folks are going to get out of this? And if they don't, I'm independent and and I'm going to strictly be voting for what can you do to help my, help the black community? What can you do? That That's what I'm going to be. Right. So just what you were saying, you know, Jim Clyburn is an establishment Democrat that takes more corporate money than just about anybody, especially from his pharmaceutical companies. So he's basically all about the status quo, which is why he backed Biden. Now, as for Kamala Harris, she may have a liberal voting record in the Senate, but her record as a prosecutor and as a state attorney general, that record leaves a lot to be desired. Well, it does. But again, we recognize that you got to take people up to where they are. I mean, obviously, politicians are politicians, meaning they are opportunists based on where they are at that particular time. And so there's not anything really we can do. I mean, obviously, she might have some opportunities to go back and revisit her record as the attorney general in California, but her years in the Senate. And again, talking about Clyburn, as I said, there comes a point when these guys reach the end of their effective road of needing to have to run for reelection and so forth, that usually they get to the point of thinking more about their legacy. And they start to do things that they wouldn't have done when they were more concerned about the next election coming up. So I'm just being a little bit pragmatic and thinking that we are at that place now where, just like Scott says, I'm going to go a step further, though, and say, like, I'm not going to just sit by and wait that we're going to continue to fuel the fire and hold their feet to the fire every week that we can, because I was really glad that when we talked to Michelle Bernard and she talked about her connection, her close connection to Kamala Harris, that that gives us an avenue to make sure that the kind of things that we talk about on this podcast are going to be heard and going to be taken up. And so we will continue to be who we are. Hopefully they will do the right thing, but we're not just going to hope that it's done. 
we're going to be focused on making sure that it gets done. So that takes us to the end of another episode. Our Positive Black Business segment of the week is once again encouraging you to check out our two socioeconomic Black business forums on Facebook, hashtag Black Dollars Matter and relaunching Black Wall Street nationwide, where there are a lot of Black businesses there which are ready to help you out with your holiday gift needs just in time for Black Friday and for the Christmas holidays and Kwanzaa. Even those of you who celebrate Hanukkah, for you to purchase gifts from. So this is another way we can help keep our socioeconomic power. So we encourage you to go out there and be a part of that process of making sure we keep Black dollars in Black communities. So until the next time, we thank you once again for being out here with us. Remember, you can follow us at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Facebook, and the Instagram group of the same name. And if you want to go long form, remember, you can always reach us thebrotherstalk at gmail.com with your comments and your suggestions and questions for future shows. We appreciate you. We always want you to know how much we want to be a part of your listening process and we'll never take it for granted. So until next time, remember, let's do better today because that's all we really have.